This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, I'm glad you have tuned in. No one should be, or probably even was, surprised by the tweets that President Donald Trump unleashed over the weekend, telling several brown-skinned women in Congress that they ought to, quote, go back to the countries they came from. Our own Rashida Tlaib from here in southeast Michigan was among the congresswomen he was talking to. Now, let's be clear. What the president said was racist. There just is no doubt about that. There is no room really to debate whether what he said was racist. It was also factually incorrect and well beyond the bounds of reasonable discussion or discourse. But the question is, how are we supposed to answer this kind of assault? This is something that the president does regularly says things that are racist, says things that are otherwise offensive, says things that demean everyone from private citizens to other public officials. And the instinct when he does this is to respond in kind, right? It's, it's to find some way to insult Trump or to unleash on his followers. We've seen in the past how that works, though. It's what he wants and what his supporters relish in a lot of cases. And he's been wildly and dangerously successful at lowering the overall quality of debate since he began his run for president. So where does that leave us? What should we be saying in answer to this? And how do we condemn the president's racism and maybe get him to stop indulging it without contributing to the downward slide he has our political discourse on. That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And, of course, we want to hear from you. What did you think about what the president said about Rashida Tlaib and other brown-skinned women who are now serving in Congress? Uh, Singling them out the way he did was inappropriate in and of itself, but then what he said about them uh, was really remarkable. How did that fall on your ears? And tell me how you think we ought to uh, answer this. What ought we be doing in response to what the president says? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us to talk about civil discourse and its deterioration and perhaps how we might Revive It is Carolyn Lukensmeyer. She is the executive director emeritus of the nonpartisan National Institute for Civil Discourse. Carolyn, welcome back to Detroit Today. We had a conversation about this last year, didn't we? Steve, thanks so much for having me again. I'm delighted to be with you and your and your listeners. Yeah. So so uh, let's start with uh, what the president said and what your response was to it. Well, you framed it very well in the opening of the show, Steve. This president does continually use language that is bigoted, in this case, clearly racist. There can't be any disagreement about that. And Americans know that this is wrong. I think we talked about the fact that Weber Shandrick along, Shanwick, along with Powell Tate and KRC, does a Civility in uh, America survey every year. And at this stage, 75% of Americans think this is a crisis, this use of language to demean people and to otherize people. And most interestingly, in this year's poll, people also, <clears throat> also said both Republicans and Democrats said about equal numbers or equal percentages, that even supporters of Trump said they really wish the president would use less 
uncivil language, mm. and they think he'd be a better president if he did. Mm. So, so one of the things that comes up when this happens is this debate about civility itself and the word civility and what it means. Uh, there are a lot of people who say this is not a time for civil response. This is an uncivil president who is doing uncivil things. And the way to fight him is to, to, to fight back and fight back by any means necessary. Um, talk about why you think that's uh, the, the appropriate or, or inappropriate response to what President Trump's doing. I think this is not at all surprising, Steve, because people are in a state of moral outrage, and they do believe they need to do more than be civil. One of the things that we've learned at the Institute is in this conversation that's really important is the word civility, like many words in Western society, has changed over years. So if you look in Webster's, yes. The meaning of civility in Webster's is manners or politeness. Mm -hmm. And none of us think now is a time when manners and politeness should be hold the day. But if you look up the ideology of the word, where it came from, it's actually a French word from the 1300s or the 14th century. And Steve, the meaning of the word civility is the duties of a citizen, the responsibilities of a system, citizen. And when we have that conversation with people, it really changes their sense of the importance of why just because someone else is behaving badly, for me to choose to behave badly in response is really not the right strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Stephen in Southfield. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, good morning. I, um, geez, my outrage meter is packed out. Um, uh, I was talking to your producer while I was waiting to get online, uh, get on air, and we sort of had the same thought, which is um, I live in the 35th Congressional District, and my congresswoman is African-American. And I thought, you know, are, are they next? Is he going to say all African-American legislators uh, need to go back to Africa. Mm. And I started to get appalled. And then when you said at the beginning of the segment, you know, what, how should we respond? And I'll tell you how I respond. Two weeks ago, I was at Congresswoman Lawrence's office um, at a demonstration coordinated by to shut down the uh, unlawful detention camps for immigrants. Mm. I was out door knocking in my district on Saturday, um, educating voters about the changes to Michigan's absentee voter regulations, which actually makes it easier to vote. Um, So that's how I channel my moral outrage. Uh, I put it into action. Yeah. Stephen, I really appreciate the call uh, and and the stories, and of course, Brenda Lawrence is is an African American congresswoman who re- represents you, I guess, in the 14th district uh, here in Michigan. And and you're right. Who knows who else uh, the president will decide uh, will decide to take after? Um, uh, Carolyn Lukensmeyer, uh, uh, talk about that fatigue though that Stephen started with this idea that uh, that. There's so much going on, and this happens so frequently, that people are getting tired of being outraged. 
It's a really good point, and we hear this at the Institute from Americans all over the country. And interestingly, Steve, Steve, who called in, had come to exactly the same conclusion that we come to when we're talking with groups of people who feel outrage fatigued, which is take a deep breath, reduce the amount of news you're listening to so that you're just not constantly triggered again. But the real answer, and it's exactly what Steve did, it's taken action in your community, in your local place that you have influence. Rather than staying with a sense of outrage that you can't do something, take a step back and think, what can I do positively to send a different message at this point in time? If I again refer to the poll data that I just spoke about, that was a fascinating thing in the 2018 data. The number of Americans who felt like they as citizens, that the best thing they can do is begin to take actions themselves in their own families, communities, political districts. So it's less response to the president, but positive action where I live, where I work, where I commune with people. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to James in Sumter. James, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Mm-hmm. I just, I think what we're hearing from Trump and the Republican parties to, to immigrants that we don't want you here, and, and particularly immigrants that contribute to our society valuably, um, uh, immigrant doctors, immigrant technicians, immigrant engineers, he's saying go back to your own country and fix them. We don't want you here. And that's a terrible message. I, I think the Democratic Party recognizes the valuable contributions that immigrants have made to America. And, and for Trump and the Republicans to say, go back to your own country and fix them. Mm-hmm. Go back to your asshole countries, as he calls them, mm-hmm. and be, be a doctor there. Be an be a, a, engineer there. We don't want you here. It's just a, a, a terrible thing for him to say. And, and it's really bad politics. Mm, yeah, the, James, I appreciate the sentiments there and uh, and the call. Uh, you know, uh, Carolyn, I, I wonder what you make of the provocative nature of what he's doing. I mean, as James points out, um, there, there are lots of logical reasons that, that, that the things that the president says don't make any sense even. Um, and, and I think he knows that. I think this is about trying to manipulate people uh, people who oppose him and people who support him into a, a conflict, a constant state uh, of conflict, which I think makes it hard to, to think through when to, to, to respond and when to just ignore it. Well, I totally agree with you, Steve. This president is extremely savvy, and he understands that if he can control the framing of the debate, He can control the way the issue is defined in the media and the way Democrats respond or the way ordinary people who are outraged respond. He's already on first base. And he has manipulated both the public and the media in his use of Twitter and his continuous use of provocative, destructive language. He learned in 2016 that it appeals to a certain percentage of people who are going to vote, Mm -hmm. and he's made a politically strategic decision that he intends to win again in 2020 with exactly the same strategy. One of the things we hear most often, Steve, at the Institute is people 
increasingly anxious, angry, frustrated, whatever verb they use, that they fully expect as we go closer to the 2020 election, this will only get worse. And it will get worse because the president has the experience that it works in his favor as far as votes are concerned and as far as controlling the framing of the debate. Uh, again, thanks for the call and the thoughts, uh, James. Let's go to Aaron in Detroit. Aaron, what's on your mind? Good morning. I, uh, as I was listening, uh, I first called to say one thing, but as I was listening, is it really the president that's the problem or those who are uh, bent on supporting him no matter mm. what he shows? Because, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking if we look back three years and and how what America once stood for and the principles and standards that we once held have degraded to a point where now we're trying to normalize conversation about our racist president as if it's just a given that, yeah, he's racist <laughs> and he's inappropriate and he's this and he's that. You know, at what point will we, we stop trying to talk about it as if it's something normal and say the real problem is are we going to continue to allow us to be represented right. by that standard? Yeah. Uh, there's only one thing to do when something is broken, you fix it. You either fix it or you live with it broken. Is it broken? Mm. Or, Aaron, or, yeah, Aaron, that's a great question. Uh, I'm glad you called uh, and, and asked that. Um, uh, Carolyn Lukensmeyer, uh, uh, tell us. How do we answer Aaron's question? Um, well, Aaron, you stated it very well. If we focus all of this as if it is President Trump, and when President Trump goes away, whether that's in 2020 or 24, this somehow will be better. You're absolutely right. Our social norms of civility and respect have been significantly degraded, and it's going to take probably a decade or more, to reestablish what we had considered the core values of American democracy that include civility and respect. This is why it's so important that all of us look at taking responsibility for how we are doing this in our own lives. It's take a look in the mirror. Are there people I've stopped talking to since the election because of a judgment I'm making about them because of who they voted for, whichever way that was? So, Aaron, you, you put your finger on it. This is something we are all going to have to take responsibility for to reverse it and to reestablish those core fundamental values about what Americans believe, about how we should treat each other, what Americans believe about justice. This is a time we have to reestablish those foundational principles. Mm. Okay, Carolyn Lukensmeyer, Executive Director Emeritus of the Nonpartisan National Institute for Civil Discourse. It was really great to have you with us here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. We're going to have a conversation about urban violence with the author of a book that delves into the subject and asks, what is it that we can be doing as a society to prevent that violence from happening in the first place? This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.